0: Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards vary depending on market and expire 24 hours from issuance. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler. In partnership with MGM Northfield Park.
1: What if AI could help your business deliver mission critical outcomes with speed? With IBM Consulting, your business can design, build, and scale trusted AI using Watson X, and modernize the way you work to accelerate real impact. Let's create AI that transforms your business. Learn more at IBM.com/consulting. IBM, let's create.
2: Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything.
1: This is the Jabberjaw Podcast
3: Network. Hey,
4: before we dive into this week's episode, I want to tell you about the new book of poetry by Mike Posner called Teardrops and Balloons. So you may know him as a total washed-up pop star with a couple of songs that you frankly don't even like. But this book will come as a shock to you. I've read pieces of it, and It's unbelievable. He takes on the topics of fame, God, masturbation, horses, death, dating, Bruno Mars, plane crashes, and chewing gum. Basically, no stone is left unturned. It's available March 17th at Amazon and also MikePosner.com. Trust me, this is a really, really fun read from a person that you would be like, oh, why is he going to be interesting? Why is this book going to be interesting? Trust me, it is. So dive into it and enjoy. Hey, hello. Hello. I'm Ray Harkins. You're listening to 100 Words or Less, the podcast, and I apologize in advance. My voice is shot, and that's because, um, yeah, I was yelling into a microphone for about six or seven hours. So, um, yeah, I'm old, and that's what happens. But, um, yeah, thank you for listening. You are joining us because you care about independent music. You like the people that are involved with it, and you want to find out more about them. So that's, uh, that's why you're here, right? And you're here specifically to hear the story of Kevin Jordan from this wildlife. This wildlife is uh, quite a large band. And uh, I actually got in touch with him via Twitter because uh, he listened to the show uh, on late night drives as they were touring around the country. And I always love that. I like the fact that I can, you know, hang out with people on a one sided relationship. Um, you know, keeping them company about, well, whatever it is that they're doing. So I uh, always enjoy that. And so Kevin reached out and was like, Hey man, this would, uh, this would be fun if I was on. And I was like, you're right. This would be fun if you were on. And then I come to find out that we have a ton of other connections, mutual friends and all that other good stuff that uh, you just find out once you get to know people involved in uh, independent music. But I have a ton of house cleaning stuff I want to uh, get up out of, out of the way. And Oh, I'll also preload this by saying, when I had the conversation with Kevin, I had my voice. So if you're like, "Holy crap, I can't stand this," you know, squeaky dude's voice, you could totally fast forward, and it's uh, it's 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 normal at that point. <laughs> but uh, anyways, two things I would like for you to do. For one, Jabberjaw Media, which is the podcast network that I'm a part of, they have launched, I think, four or six new shows. And you need to go to their website and check out all their all their great stuff that they have going on. Um, You know, one of the shows is by a previous guest of the show, uh, Doc Coyle from God Forbid. He does a show. And um, yeah, there's just a lot of great content. So I promise you, if you like this show, there are other shows on the network that you will absolutely enjoy. And um, yeah, I'm just excited to be a part of this. uh, This cool. This cool content aggregator. (laughs) <laughs> is that, that sounds like the most like business uh minded description of a podcast network I've ever heard but um yeah they just got good stuff going on so please 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 Go visit them, go visit the website and then check out all the shows, because I promise like what's interesting about podcasts is like once you find one show you like, you start to it's exactly the same as bands. You start to find out about, you know, record labels or other shows. And it's just it's so much fun. So I encourage you to do that as well. Uh, I also need you to if you are a hardcore podcast nerd, which I completely put myself in, um, a lot of those people use a player called Overcast, and that's something where basically instead of the podcast app that you download on or that's already pre-downloaded on your iPhone, uh, you can dive into the App Store and download Overcast, and it's basically just a more you know a robust player. You have a lot of more options, and uh, anyways. What I want you to do is, if for one, if you use Overcast, please recommend this show. So every time a new show pops up from 100 words, you just basically give it a little star. Because uh, the more that happens, the more it gets recommended in these sort of categories. And um, I just, I don't know, I just really want that to happen for the show. So please... Download Overcast if you haven't used it. It's an unbelievable service. Uh, It's free, but then there's also like a $5 premium thing that you can pay for that will, you know, strip out ads and stuff. So, uh, yeah, please do that. If you use Overcast, please ta you know. Press press the little star button. Just just do that on every every single episode, and then uh, hopefully the show will bubble up and be included on the uh, recommendations of certain genres. Uh, this basically this would be in the music category, and uh, I just want that. You know, is that, can you help me? <laughs> so, anyways, enough of that. And uh, here is. Kevin Jordan. Like I said, he plays in this wildlife. He also played in a band called the greenery uh, a long time ago, well, not a long time ago, but, uh, you know, that's where I first ran across him. And, uh, we just have a really open, fun, frank conversation about, you know, life on the road, uh, being in a band that is successful because, uh, he was never expecting that out of this project that he's doing right now. So, um, yeah, great stuff. And, uh, Without further delay or squeaky voiceness, here is my discussion with Kevin.
5: The entry point for myself into you—I mean, now that I have a little bit more of your history and the fact that uh, we obviously have met in passing before—I uh, yeah. I, I love. I actually wanted to visit the idea of. So, you, how long did you play drums in the Greenery for?
3: Probably like close to two years it was really really early on so it was like right when we first formed I actually like named the band oh for real <laughs> yeah we were in high school
5: that's amazing that's amazing and you were you were going to school in long beach i presume then yeah yep okay and uh is that is that where like you're i i know that you you made a recent move to arizona uh, but did you were you, your was your family from long beach as well as that kind of where you your home base was
3: yeah well my, my, i was raised in there i was actually born out in arizona but I, I was raised in long beach since i was like one years old so okay
5: got it got it um and so because people i mean most people hear the word long beach and they automatically think of um like snoop dogg or um, maybe maybe some people that have a deep history like know that because wasn't T- tupac was from long beach too am i crazy about that or
3: no uh, i think he's more from like south central like la or, so, yeah, or somewhere yeah i'm
5: being stupid i'm sorry That was that was completely <laughs> i should i should i should know that because uh, of my mid 90s or early 90s gangster rap uh, era but um
3: i'm wearing a death row records shirt right now so i should definitely know but i don't
5: yeah, dude you rule um <laughs> So, like, you know most people don't really know like what long beach is kind of you know all about like it's it is a suburb of la but it's also considered part Thank of God, la yes. um did you like i guess growing up in long beach and kind of feeling a uh, big city vibe but not the tall skyscraper city vibe
3: yeah i, I dig it um I, I'm, I'm honestly not a fan of la whatsoever um I, it's just totally not my speed and i, I don't like traffic or expensive things or paying for parking so i i think long beach is like a really good like a happy medium and and i was yeah i was always stoked to live there
5: that's awesome yeah definitely so many people that don't want to move to la live in long beach because they're just like yeah i could never do los angeles <laughs> but i feel comfortable enough being in in long beach so I, I don't have to die on all my commutes into la or whatever
3: yeah for sure it's hey, it's cool because it's like, it's kind of right there in between Orange County and LA. And it actually, I, I think the culture of it is actually pretty, pretty close to being in between those two places as well. So it's, it's kind of a neat spot.
5: Yeah, absolutely. The, um, it- and to you know i I was uh i always love because i mean this doesn't really happen very much anymore where you know people generally speaking know where record labels are from as far as like oh you know i know that run for covers from boston or i know that you know these labels exist in certain scenes but very rarely do you see you know i guess local bands signing with the label that exists within their their uh you know geographical area so like when you because i just didn't have any idea that you guys were from long beach until you know i did some research and i was like oh like when you guys first signed to epitaph the um and i, I presume uh, you know like like you shared with me in the past that there was no notion that working with epitaph was even a remote possibility right
3: no i mean we had like a what we call a short list but it was really like even our biggest reach for for contacting labels to see if they'd be interested in releasing our record uh you know that wasn't even on that wasn't even on the shortlist because it was just like that that seemed like uh such a pipe dream that it wasn't even worth putting on <laughs> you know on a on a fucking google document it wasn't even worth it
5: right like the idea of just like yeah we could write this name but like are we just gonna mail a demo to their p.o box and it just gets like lost in the shuffle
3: exactly it's it's like you know, trying to sign to capital or Interscope or something like that. It was just, it, it seemed so unrealistic at the time.
5: Right. And it's, it's so funny too, because the, uh, so many, so many people have these ideas of like how to get a record labels attention. And I'll never forget the many years that I worked at, uh, century media records. Uh, I, like I legitimately at one point had a band show up to our office to like meet with me and like hand deliver the demo. And I was just like, what a what a horrible idea like i mean even in your probably early naive state you would know that like that is probably not the
3: best way to like get
5: someone's attention
3: right that's like that's like airheads in real life or something <laughs>
5: dude such such an apt comparison that's perfect yeah <laughs> i'll hijack the radio but i have
3: i have heard of some like some people doing that like waiting outside for somebody to walk out of a building uh i actually you know the rapper Jay cole he has a story about like waiting outside in the rain for like hours and hours for jay-z to walk out of a building and handed him a demo and he never listened to it or anything or something you know and then you know but later on he goes on to be a platinum selling artist massive so right I, I guess it could it could work but i'll say i'm guilty you know i i have a lot of people like hand me cds on tour and Honestly, I don't have a way to play a CD. You know, I don't have a laptop. Our van doesn't have a CD player. And it's like, you know, sometimes I just... We probably have in our merch bin, you know, like a dozen CDs and stuff. And I'm just like, fuck, what... A, I always tell people, like, can you, like, send me a link online? Because, you know, I check my Twitter every day. And clicking a link is easy. But it's like, I have no idea how to play this. Right. And I also... I say that to people while I'm standing outside of a venue trying to hustle CDs. So, I'm... <laughs> it's pretty, <laughs> it's right. pretty hypocritical, but... <laughs>
5: You're like, can you buy this thing that you ostensibly can listen to at home, but I cannot listen to the thing that you will hand me that is the same format. Right. (laughs) So do you, uh, you just mentioned the fact that you, uh, you know, you go out there and kind of try to hustle and you talk like you're an accessible dude, you know, like from the way that people interact with you, not only you, but obviously the entire band in general. Um, there's really no, um, I guess barriers there. Um, was that something that just kind of came naturally to you or did you need to learn uh and, and i don't mean to say sound like you're a robot and you had to learn how to interact with people but the idea that you know the interactions between sometimes um you know fans that are really really connected to you might be a little bit overwhelming because it's like okay hold on i know i put my emotions out there but like i can't he- i can't take all of this input in it at once or how did that sit with you
3: I think it was a pretty conscious decision. It was it was deliberate from the from the get go of the band. Uh we, we kind of looked at it like there was two ways to go about being a band and self promoting. And we said, well you could try to be like a brand new and be totally mysterious, never do any press, never do a single meet and greet, and just put the music out there and hope that the cream rises to the top, or you could go the other way about it and, you know, kind of like what we what we think is take control of your own future and Push things as hard as you can f- from your own standpoint, and we just we just felt like we're not going to wait around for people to discover us. We're not going to wait around uh, for other people to do work for us. It's it's always just going to be, hey, what's the next kind of grind that we can do that will allow us to grow and allow us to to share the music with new people.
5: I like. I mean, I like that attitude, especially when you're talking about the idea of of deliberately doing it and not like acting like a person that you're not but just putting yourself out there in ways that uh, i think are really probably disarming for certain people because i'm sure you know when they come up to you know you and want to interact with you and then you talk to them like a normal human being they're probably like whoa wait hey oh oh, you're you're just a dude and you're and you're probably just like yeah i'm just a total total douche sitting up here on stage and just doing this the same as you like (laughs) you could you could have done this as well
3: I tell people all the time, like if, you know, it's typically with like younger fans, I would say, cause people that are, you know, like a little, a little older, I think they've already real, they already realize that just cause you're in a signed band or something doesn't mean that you're untouchable or, you know, you're like this like rich person or something like that, where we have like no celebrity value whatsoever. But I, I think when younger kids meet, meet us and I see that somebody is nervous, like I, I just find myself repeating. We are totally normal, totally boring dudes and you have no reason to be, you know, shy or, or nervous around us right now.
5: Right. <laughs> it's, it it is such an interesting and I honestly those interactions are, are are so meaningful because, you know, I'm sure both you and I can go back in our memory banks and realize like the anecdotal stories that we can share where it's like the barrier between the audience and the band gets broken down where you're just like, Oh, Oh my. Oh yeah. They are just like a human being. Like <laughs> there's, There was one show where it was like strife was one of my favorite bands of all time, you know, straight edge hardcore band from LA. And I remember seeing them with the voodoo glow skulls once at the glass house in Pomona and Rick Rodney, the singer, uh, wasn't X'd up yet. Cause like, you know, obviously a very deliberately straight edge band and he asked the kids in the front row if they had a black marker to X up. And I had one and I was like, yeah, I have one. And then I gave it to him. And then I was just like, Oh my God, Rick Rodney used my marker. And he's like, he's like a real human (laughs) being. And it's just like, you know, I'm sure you have those like moments where you realized, or do you have like a story like that, that you can kind of, you know, go back in your memory banks and realize like the, the barrier between the audience and the band is like non-existent.
3: Totally. Um, so i'm a huge fan of a band called as cities burn and um on one of their first kind of national tours it was actually the first shows that they played in california they played they were on tour with a band called dead poetic and they played at the epicenter in san diego and we had gone down there because the night before they played at the whiskey we came to that show and we had talked to the uh, the guitarist at the time colin and he just said to us he's like he's like you know if you guys want to come to the show tomorrow we have guest list and we're just like holy shit as city just offered us guest list this is nuts you know and we're all in high school at the time right so we like my buddy matt who sings for the greenery uh he he drove like his pops like 72 suburban we we all like drove down there i think there was eight or nine of us in there and we drove down uh and, and went to the show and went absolutely fucking nuts for Assy's Burn and nobody else knew who they were at the time they were like the opener on the tour but we had just been listening to that record for like the last week just non-stop like literally the drive down we were listening to it on repeat because we wanted to know all the words you know <laughs> and and after the show um, we went the guys were just like hey you guys want to go get like burritos there's like a cool place we want to go to and we're like holy shit now they're asking us to go get burritos this is insane and they were just so down-to-earth, so cool with us uh, on on such, like, a, an early time for them. So I think they were still super excited about touring and excited about having eager fans like we were. Yeah. So that, that that was this, like, really fucking unique experience that I've kind of held on to for a long time. And, and, and that's one of those bands that I constantly supported because of how fucking cool they were. And not only was their music great, but I just felt like they were really cool dudes. And they... You know, they, they did a lot for me when I, when I was a kid, as far as encouraging me to, to want to actually tour and, and adapt that lifestyle.
5: Yeah, no, that's, that's an incredible story. Cause I think that those, those moments are so indicative of why, um, you know people like you and I have dedicated our lives to you know the celebration of independent music because you know I you look at other music scenes and it you know, you don't really have those experiences and what, I mean and I'm saying on like a more mainstream level you know that doesn't yeah that doesn't exist and so like when you have these things that are so tangible and touchable you just you, you, yeah like until the day you die you're just gonna be like oh yeah acidies burn great band like would never say anything bad about them because of that one right. singular guest list and burrito experience.
3: But I, I think that, like, the, you know, it swings the other way, too, because th- there's been a, a couple times, and I won't be, like, <laughs> specific about this, but when you kind of meet somebody and you, like, what I always just call, like, humanize your hero, um, sometimes it's not all it's cracked up to be. And meeting the person that's kind of behind these songs and stuff, and, and sometimes it's, if, if you don't care for the person once you meet them, it's hard to disassociate the the person from the songs and it, it, it can it can ruin it too like the same way that meeting somebody and having this great fan experience can be like take take that take that music to the next level for you and make it even more special to you it can go the other way and totally ruin a band for you yeah so i, I you know I, I try to be try to be like as respectful to people as possible and I always just say, like, whatever experience of a fan coming to a show is looking for, whether it's just simply to watch us on stage and take off, or if they want us to, you know, sign up a poster that we have or take a picture, whatever they're looking for, I, I try to give it to them because, you know, it's like for me, the experience that I'm looking for is to make records and play shows and, and travel. And the thing that's going to allow me to do that is for people to come out and kind of get what they're seeking so I, I see it as like you know for me to get what i want i need to i need to to try to give give people what they want out of out of our band
5: that's a really that's a that's a healthy attitude because i think that so so many bands like once you get to the level where you guys are at where you're spending a majority of time on the road and you know home is something that uh is a foreign concept just because you're living in two different worlds sometimes the world that you live in you know the band and tour life it becomes you know a, a normal part of the routine and when it becomes uh, you know quote unquote less special <laughs> that's when you can kind of lose that uh the the plot of it you know
3: yeah there, there's definitely times like especially on something like warp tour which is like a pretty grueling schedule obviously uh I, I call it just like going into autopilot when you're on tour and i i've definitely caught myself a few times just like you know, somebody will maybe ask you a question or something, and, and you just have like this pre programmed response where it's just like, oh, thank you so much. Like, who else are you excited to see? And then you realize they just asked you how your day was or something. It's like, oh, fuck, I'm just like a robot at this point. <laughs> right. Uh, you, you know, but that's not something where you're doing like, you know, we would do meet and greets on Warped every day, and, you know, a lot of bands would limit them or sell wristbands for them or whatever. And we just saw it as, hey, this is a really cool opportunity to meet a ton of people and, like i said just kind of give them the experience that they're looking for uh and so we would just do them for hours and the line would just you know get a little bit smaller and then get a little bit longer get a little smaller and you know when you're standing out there in in the heat after a while it's just like you know your brain just starts to kind of fry and and you have some of those weird experiences but i love on club tours you know going out like while another band is playing so most of the people are focused on you know who's playing on stage and stuff, and I can actually have a conversation with somebody because I, I would rather personally meet, you know, five people a night and have a real conversation with, with each one of them than burn through a line of a hundred or two hundred people just trying to snag photos or something. Yeah, but like like I said, I, I try to meet in the middle and, and give people the experience they're looking for, so that we can continue to do what we love. But for me personally, I would rather, you know, if I had the the option to just. Meet a handful of people at night and have have a unique conversation with each one of them. That would be cool.
6: This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We're sitting here. It's like June. And you're like, where has the time gone? And everybody's like, Oh my gosh, I have no idea. I gotta like accomplish all these other things. Take a moment. Focus on the things that obviously for one matter to you. But for two, look back. Be like, what have I done well? What have I done not so well? And maybe I can, you know, ask some friends and family for some help. But where I have always gone to in regards to figuring out what I can do better, therapy. Therapy is an incredible tool at your arsenal that you can dip into. I've done it for my marriage. I've done it for myself personally. And I'm a huge advocate for what therapy can do for you because it is a third party that's able to look at what you can do to improve your life and be a person to help you along in your journey. And so I think if you were thinking and visit BetterHelp.com slash Ray today to get 10% off of your first month. That's BetterHelp.com help, slash Ray.
2: on the iconic victoria's secret scent dive into a vibrant blend of juicy guava lush palms and summer glow peony shop now at your closest victoria's secret store or online at Victoria'sSecret.com.
5: yeah no no that's cool i like that yeah and, and have it be less uh, sort of transactionally based because you know just on sake of time alone you can't you can't fit all those into like you said the meet and greet line or whatever um so you know i mean you have a you have a history within the context of you know like you said you played in the greenery and then you know we made the the connection prior in regards to you playing in uh that band the messenger um which is is that that record isn't even like available anymore on streaming services or anything is it because i've never even bothered to look
3: you know i haven't bothered to look either interesting
5: <laughs> well whatever for for those that want to do some uh, deep internet research it's a really good record what's the name of the record again totally escaping time. <laughs> my
3: it's called let's get dangerous there you go that Let is, let's is the, get, the Darkwing duck reference
5: yes let's get dangerous hello. <laughs> but anyways good band way to way to not suck on that one but um so was it <laughs> would you would you kind of base your uh you, you know your experience with people started to pay attention to what you were doing with this wildlife um were you better equipped at kind of handling that sort of uh you know i guess attention because you already had played in bands that were you know i mean by no stretch of the imagination were successful, but you know, you did things as far as like touring and putting out records and stuff like that.
3: I don't think it really prepared me for it because I hadn't been up front or writing the songs. I was always playing drums. So I, I think it was definitely like a, a bit of a stretch for me to, to start this. And you know, like last time we talked, I said, it's like, you know, I didn't want to sing for this band. I didn't want to be a front man. Cause I, I just didn't think that I I don't feel that I'm like a captivating kind of person. I don't, I don't think that I have like a ton of charisma to be like this up in your face front man. Uh, And that, that was the start of the band being like, you know, more of a full band feel and pop punk kind of exciting stuff. And I'm definitely not equipped for that. Uh, I think I'm, I'm far better equipped for what we do now compared to kind of the, the initial direction of the band. But yeah, it's, it's been tough for me. And I, I kind of explain it like, Usually when you start writing songs you write a bunch of crappy songs and then you maybe you record them maybe you don't and then that band breaks up then you start another crappy band write a handful of songs release an EP break up and then you start your your final like real band that's going to make a, a handful of records and I didn't really have the luxury of writing all of those crappy songs that nobody would ever hear every crappy song that I've ever written is of this wildlife song that's released and still on the internet right so right. You know, so it's like I've kind of just been growing as a songwriter and discovering what my voice is and what what my kind of songwriting style is right in front of people along the way. So it's it's kind of like interesting if you were to listen to like our you know small discography that it is front to back. You would you'd just be like, holy shit, what fucking happened to these guys? You know, (laughs) because it's such a stretch from where it was at the beginning and. It's it's been an interesting transition. It's like I, I'm still I'm still challenged by it. Honestly, every day. It's, it's whether it's just singing, songwriting, uh, trying to stay healthy on tour, you know, fan interactions, kind of discovering the line of where where I can go lyrically and where I can't. It's like so, something that I've noticed for me. That's the hardest thing about being a singer, personally, is finding finding that line of being specific and get writing these songs that I are things that I want to get off my chest, but also not like ruining relationships in my life or, or hurting people. And it's kind of this interesting thing that I found that I have a lot more guts in songwriting than I really do in the real world. And sometimes I'll call people out or situations out that I, in a song that I absolutely would not do in person. Cause I'm just pretty non-confrontational and so I've kind of had to learn how to how to push and push that to its boundaries without like really causing like a whole lot of hysteria in my life. So it's it, it's it's been a, a big learning process for me, big time.
5: Yeah, no, that's really interesting. I, I like how you equated the two in regards to you know you you doing different duties within uh, the band that you've played in. Just because, yeah, I mean, it's such a huge shift when you are you know, playing drums and you know, the, the joke is that no one pays attention to the drummer unless they're messing up so (laughs) so then like putting yourself out there and being in the front uh you know there is a huge learning curve with that and to like you said to have splayed yourself out songwriting wise on like hey this is what i'm doing and this is what i'm i'm like and then having people pay attention to it and then you know warts and all as you grow (laughs) people like oh yeah like i hated their first record but like their second record's good or or people totally writing you off because they listen to your first record and uh they have no desire to listen to anything after that even though you progress.
3: yeah it it was pretty interesting to us that like in the early days we had played a lot of shows and tried to promote as much as we can doing the full band stuff and when we finally made the decision to go just down to the two-piece and mainly focus on acoustic stuff we had like almost no backlash and we we're like, wow, I guess like nobody really gave a shit about the old stuff, you know? Cause it was just like, we made a Facebook post expecting, ex- explaining the situation and that we were going to go make a full length acoustic record. And we expected tons of backlash because at that point we had been a pop punk band for years. And then you just see a million comments that are just like, I'm so excited for this. This is awesome. And you're like, geez, like, I, I guess this is a good decision, but it's kind of sad that we spent so many years, <laughs> writing songs that nobody gave a shit about, I guess.
5: <laughs> totally. Like, yeah, we, uh, we just threw this out there and, uh, yeah, no one, no one said anything about them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The, um, you know kind of along the uh the influences and you know where you're coming from it's you know funny that we're speaking while you guys are on tour with dashboard confessional and people no matter what could draw the comparisons between what you're doing and what he has done and continues to do um i know that was kind of a a a backbone for where you were able to build off of um did you you know as you started to play shows you know were they with bands that had nothing to do with what you were uh, as far as sonic sounding like you know were you playing a bunch of hardcore and punk shows or were you kind of trying to you know maybe at least play like pop punk shows in order to (laughs) make sure people weren't heckling you guys too bad or where'd you kind of sit
3: yeah we actually didn't even really play shows with pop punk bands until i don't i don't know maybe like a a year and a half ago or so um we we definitely didn't want to be playing coffee shops we didn't want to be playing with singer-songwriters we didn't feel like we fit in that world that's not where we came from it's not what we're familiar with and it's honestly not even what we listen to Uh, so so we were always always comfortable playing with heavier bands than us and and full bands we just always felt like it was a a benefit to stick out rather than to fall in line and I guess we were just never really scared to be the softest band on the bill We, we were never scared for a hardcore band to come on after us you know we did a tour with newfound glory a couple years ago where turnstile played after us and as hilarious as that sounds you know how contrasted those two sets could be it was a great tour for us and you know like six months prior to that uh we did a tour where baretooth came on after us every night and it's like you know you have a a band that's as heavy as them coming on after you every night you would think that the crowd would hate either one of you but i know people are so open-minded these days with The genres that they listen to that I mean I see the same kid that's up front singing along to this wildlife on a tour is you know headbanging and screaming along to Beartooth right after our set's over so I just don't think it's as much of a problem unless we went out with like I don't know we're obviously not going to go out on tour with a band like Harm's Way or something like that it's like that's not going to make that's not going to make any sense whatsoever and there is a line that needs to be drawn somewhere but for the most part, we've never really turned down tours. I mean, we've talked about, I've talked with Keith from every time I die about us touring together. And that seems like it would make no sense and it might not, but we wouldn't be intimidated to go try it at least.
5: Yeah, totally. No, that's cool. I mean, that that it gives uh, the the musical climate these days, you know, people have very, very diverse tastes just because music is so readily accessible, you know, whether or not they have the depth of familiarity that, uh, many people have with with bands you know records because they're that's the only record that they have and they have to wait another two weeks to get their allowance money to buy a cd at warehouse or whatever um but still it's like the everybody can like so many different things now in ways that you felt like you know whatever maybe 10 years ago there was real hard lines in the sand of like oh yeah like you know i I do listen to this but i don't listen to that
3: yeah well if if the only place that you were getting music from was hxc mp3.com then obviously you're never gonna hear you know a the cure record or something like that you're you know you're gonna be stuck in a bubble but i think so many bands do like mixed bills these days and obviously festivals are nuts these days with the kind of spectrum that the artists lay on genre wise people that are going to see this kind of stuff i don't know i just they're just a lot more open-minded and i think it's awesome because i feel like i've always been that way because i you know i was raised my mom listened to so much motown and B funk and like early west coast hip-hop in the house when i was a kid that rock wasn't even a thing to me until i was like you know 11 or 12 and from there it's like i never i never like turn my back on what i listened to at, at some point like i know a lot of people would just be like oh that sucks like that's a guilty pleasure or i'm embarrassed that i listened to that it's like if you put on Limp Bizkit Significant Other right now, I would lose my mind and think that it was still a dope record. <laughs> it's like, <Right. laughs> I, 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 I don't know. I've just never gone back on what I, what I listened to. I always recognize what, uh, was captivating about it for me at the time. And I still, still have, you know, a pretty, pretty open palette for music.
5: Yeah, no, that's good. I mean, I think a lot of that too, is just you, when i think when you i i read some study where it was like maybe a couple, a year or two ago where i think you know the uh i can't remember what university looked at spotify data and i think quantified it down to the year in which people stopped seeking out new music i think it was like 31 32 years old where people you know just basically stop like they're like i'm not going to listen to the new records by the new bands or whatever i'm just i i got you know i have a I got my records, like, I'm good, you know, and that's, like, you know, your average music listener down to, you know, your hardcore music nerd, but uh, I, I think, to your point, the people that stay engaged are the ones that are, you know, not as ravenous as they once were for new music, but they still incorporate, you know, a couple records a year and sort of build on top of it, as opposed to just only listen to the, you know, their, their proverbial classics, so to speak.
3: Yeah, we, we talk about that all the time, just in the van, when we're listening to records and stuff, like, It's sometimes it can feel like difficult to to not get jaded and you know and I I just always push myself to to have an open mind and always check out new music and I know for me personally that most of my absolute favorite records the first time that I listen to them I I may not have got it you know And, and sometimes it's even from a band that you already love and you listen to one of their new records and you're like. Oh, uh, this doesn't really sound like what I was expecting or what I was hoping for from them. Doesn't sound like the last record. And so you kind of shelve it, and then maybe two, three months later, six months later, you you go, ah, I kinda I'm gonna give that another shot. And then you listen to it again from this new perspective that's maybe a little more neutral, and you're like, holy shit, like this is different, but fuck, this is cool, you know? And it's like I, I just I just think that if you judge everything at face value right off the first listen or associate it with the bands they tour with or the label that they're on how the guys look or any of those things you're you're starting from such a negative standpoint that it's like well, you're setting yourself up to not like it and you're setting yourself up to be jaded and i i try to just neglect all of that kind of negativity when i'm listening to new records cuz you know it's like i have an older brother who's like this incredible musician but he's he's pretty close-minded with music. And especially when I was younger, you know, he would just bag on all the music that I listened to. Cause it didn't sound like primus or Mr. Bungle, you know? And I'm just like, dude, it's like, there's so much great new music coming out now that like, without a doubt, someday some of these records that I'm listening to are going to be considered classics to, to some extent. And for you to write off an entire like generation of new music, because it wasn't your generation when you were younger is, it's so naive to to think that there's nothing good coming out anymore so yeah I, i'm I'm still constantly seeking new music out and and if something feels like it's getting stale it's like well then start start listening to a different genre you know I hadn't listened to like any hip hop in so many years and just a couple of years ago I, I just decided I'm like I'm gonna check out a, like a handful of artists and see if there's anything that kind of grabs me and I, it's like I found. know a few rappers that i just absolutely love and it totally totally like got me excited about listening to music again
5: yeah that's that that, that's great that's what you gotta do yeah you gotta sometimes you just gotta realign you're like okay well maybe i'm gonna leave this one aside and then then i'll 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 dig under dig under another rock and then find a bunch of gems that i never would have checked out if it wasn't for me maybe not liking the state of uh, punk music or whatever you know
3: yeah exactly and i think for, for every genre for me personally it's like well i'm not going to just like a genre as a whole and it's like if any band fits these you know these bullet points of what it what it means to be punk or what it means to be metalcore i'm just going to like it just because it is that it's like you know you kind of sift through it and find the bands that work for you and disregard the ones that don't and it's like i don't listen to a ton of like hardcore bands but there's like a handful of them that i just think are fucking awesome and i listen to them constantly and you know the same goes for funk and just regular punk and hip-hop and it's i don't know there's so much so much exciting shit going on with music constantly that it's hard to keep
0: up baseball fans
2: Dive into a vibrant blend of juicy guava, lush palms, and summer glow peony. Shop now at your closest Victoria's Secret store or online at victoriasecret.com.
1: This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do, too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu.
4: Support for this podcast comes from Toyota and their new 2017 Highlander. If you're like me, when the weekend comes, you don't want to just sit around the house. You want to get out with the family, explore new places, and try new things. Maybe check out a science museum, hit a festival, or just head out into nature. Well, the new Toyota Highlander is the perfect vehicle for discovery. It starts on the outside with its sleek design and aggressive new front grille that say you have an attitude for adventure. Its improved powertrain makes it more fun to drive and more fuel efficient than ever. It has Toyota Safety Sense technology, standard. And one of my favorite features is driver easy speak, which lets you broadcast what you say to the rear seats so your passengers can hear you. It doesn't mean they'll listen, but they can at least hear you. So navigate to your nearest Toyota dealer or toyota.com and see why there's always more to discover in the new 2017 Highlander. Drivers are responsible for their own safe driving. Always pay attention to your surroundings and drive safely. Depending on the conditions of roads, weather, and the vehicle, the systems may not work as intended. See owner's manual for additional limitations and details. But the long and the short of it is Toyota Highlander is awesome. They're supporting podcasts. You need to check out this vehicle right away. Do it. Please. You'll enjoy it. All right. Now on with the show
5: you know kind of to your uh what what you're talking about in regards to uh the fact that you know your mom was listening to so many styles of music and that you you know opened up your eyes to the fact that you know music was important um so in your house it was basically you and your brother and her and she was you know hustling to make everything happen for you guys as a uh, single mom because your your dad was out of the picture when you were like one or two right
3: uh, my dad left when when my mom was pregnant with me. Yeah.
5: Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, you, you, because of that, you had no relationship with him. Um, you know, did did the uh, the the closeness in which you know you and your brother and your mom, the bond that you guys created, um, do you think that that was a function of kind of, um, I don't know. I, I don't want to paint a picture of like survival where you guys were like living from, you know, paycheck to paycheck sort of scenario. But like, do you feel that that, uh, relationship grew closer between all three of you because of your, your circumstance?
3: Yeah, for sure. It's like, obviously when you're a kid, you're just so dependent on your, your folks. And when you only have one of them, you just like, you become super close with them, obviously. And my brother and I are, are six and a half years apart. So, you know it's like that 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 generation gap between us there was like a time where he was out doing you know <laughs> ratchet shit with his friends that you know I'm too young to even like go and partake in, so I just would spend a lot of time with my mom, and you know it's like we always talk about how we had you know friday night was like our date night we would always go to like my favorite restaurant in the world because of that is soup plantation and i know most people think it's horrible but <laughs> that's just like but i i just associate it with always going there on friday nights with my mom and yes and to this day we're just still super close and i don't know we just always talk about it's like you need to take care of each other and my mom always uses the term like pool your resources and you know, it's like none of us have ever made good money, me, my brother or my mom. So definitely leaning on each other to this day, you know, just, to to make things work. It's we're, we're a really, really close family.
5: Sure. Sure. That's awesome. Um, you know, and kind of to that point, like, did you, um, you know because of the lyrical nature of you know this wildlife and basically anybody that is a sort of you know coming from a singer songwriter background as far as like oh it's just me and my guitar doing this thing uh you know people always uh, immediately put the heart in the sleeve <laughs> adjective on uh, that sort of stuff um do you feel that uh the experiences you know of of your previous bands because you weren't you know writing the music and that sort of stuff um did you feel that you were um totally just kind of like i don't know out of your depth when you first started uh, expressing yourself this way um or did you feel like even just a sliver of confidence by being like oh now i can kind of do my own thing
3: i don't know it's i definitely definitely was not confident starting off like you know we initially wanted to have a different singer for this wildlife and I, I had to push myself to, to put to, to step in those shoes and I think when I first started writing like lyrics when I was younger all I cared about was drums and and the music so I really didn't care about lyrics as so much as I cared about melody and just feeling and I think I started really really focusing on lyrics and kind of just like song meanings and as a whole i didn't really start focusing on that until i started singing for the band so it's it's totally changed the way that i listen to music i I think it's it's pretty funny like when i listened to records when i was a kid i knew every drum lick every guitar part every bass part uh and i but i didn't even know you know half the lyrics to the songs that i loved and now when i hear a song I, i pretty much know all the lyrics and i could not tell you a single drum fill or anything in these songs like if i tried to air drum along to one of my favorite records i i would just butcher it because i think i used to see songs in like full color and now i feel like i see them in black and white i see them even simpler than i did before even though i've technically had more experience with songwriting than any other point in my life i I still i see songs a lot more simply now i try to just like try to take them in from the listener's perspective rather than a musician's perspective.
5: No, that's cool. That's uh, especially too, when you're just starting off, like expressing yourself in, you know, whatever medium, um, you know, that, that stuff can become, you know, pretty dated pretty quickly. And you're probably not even putting thought into the level of confidence. You're just like, I'm just going to try this thing. And hopefully, hopefully it's not too bad.
3: (laughs) Yeah, it's, it's tough for me. I still can't, like write with other people in the room, uh, Anthony and I, it's like, you know, for years we lived like three blocks from each other. And now, you know, now we're a little further apart, but when we were making the last record, we were still only like 20 minutes from it, from each other. And I can, there's only one song on the record that we wrote in the room together. We would typically just send ideas back and forth and, for me, I still like even even with Anthony, who's heard me on my best and my worst days vocally. I can't sing something for the first time with somebody else in the room. I, I just have to f- flesh out ideas on my own because i I just I have to be in that space where there's nobody judging me but myself because I'm I'm already fucking plenty hard on myself, you know. Right. So it's like I don't need somebody else that is going to be like, oh, I don't know about that when I haven't fully like fleshed fleshed out an idea so it's still it's still a, a big big challenge for me on every song that we write
5: yeah no that's i i like you describing that because i mean i think everybody has their own process and there's there's nothing that's uh easy about you know getting the art that is inside of you out of you and so i think that's uh, i really like the illustration of your experience with that because yeah every, everyone's got their own ways and some are you know 10 times weirder and sometimes uh, they're like the most normal thing possible. we are like, Oh yeah, I can just, you know, go into a vocal booth and like sing. And it's like, wait, what, what are you talking about? Like, I got to like light candles and like roll around the floor, or, like do pushup. You know, there's everybody has their own way of getting it out of them.
3: Yeah. I'm, I'm not so, it's not so bad in the studio for me as it is, um, just getting the song to where it, to where it needs to be before i go into the studio like we we have a pretty thorough demoing process i mean it's so easy to record these days not well but you know at least in in terms of just like pre-production and demos that we we dig pretty deep into a song before we even hit the studio with it so sometimes by the by the time we're recording in the studio that's like version three of the song because we've already kind of refined it and you know it's like I've already dug into the lyrics and the melody completely before we, before we take them in.
5: Yeah. that That's, it makes sense. You've, yeah, you've, you've gone through the, uh, the motions and I don't mean that in a bad way. Just, you know, you've definitely put the songs through the, the ringer. So that way, when you're in the studio that you feel a little more, uh, confident that everything's already sort of hammered out. Um, you know, be, because you, uh, have, you know, been doing this for for a little bit in regards to this wildlife. Was there any other kind of path that you were trying to pursue in regards to you know a career and school and all that sort of stuff, or was it like, oh, everything is kind of just noise and music is what I need to focus on, whatever that means. I'm just going to focus on that.
3: I mean, I barely graduated high school. I'm I'm <laughs> <laughs> I, I am I'm I'm not an idiot, but I'm not the most intelligent person in the world, and I, I realize what my my weaknesses are at a pretty young age. I realized that just like math was not going to be my thing and memorization is horrible for me. And my attention span for, for those kinds of subjects is just absolutely horrendous. And I, I think I realized early on that school wasn't going to be my thing. Uh, so I, I never, I've never had a backup plan. I mean, I've just always worked whatever kind of side jobs that I could do like manual labor just to, you know, keep, keep paying my bills so that i can continue playing music so I, I've, I've never had a backup plan and even the years in between uh my you know my last band that toured and and this wildlife touring I, I never even—it was never even a thought to go to school because I just don't think I'd be successful.
5: Right? <laughs> You're like, yeah, I, I know what my lane is, and it's—it's uh, it's not academics.
3: <laughs> yeah. Well, it's like, I, I joke around about you know Anthony got his like third tattoo is on his neck, and it's just like you know the job stopper, but it's also the thing that you know, probably makes it. So you have to have the drive. Hey, I have to make this work. And for me, I don't have to have a neck tattoo for that. I just realized I'm an idiot. I'm not going to be able to be like successful at school. I have to make this work. So, sure. and and honestly, it's the only thing that I, that I care about. It's the only thing that I love doing. So it's, it's kind of a no brainer. It, in some way it does scare me though. Cause I know that it, it will end eventually. And, I still have no fucking clue what I'll do after I play music.
5: Right, right, yeah. Well, th- th- there, yeah, like you said, there will be a time where uh, you know you could transition into uh, other things that are at least tangentially related to music, and that way
3: you're still feel comfortable with it. Well, it definitely won't be accounting at a label or anything. Right.
5: <laughs> it's uh, speaking of that, like because um, you know playing in bands involves business as far as you know booking shows and everything else like even though you're not viewing it as you know business and learning <laughs> life skills uh it is So, like did you handle any of that for any of your previous bands or was this wildlife kind of your first uh taste of that as you started to you know work with you know labels and all that sort of stuff
3: i've always been really hands-on and like more in the the creative aspect of it whether it comes to like merch or just like language when you're posting stuff online and that that's always been more of my thing. And luckily Anthony is like a total numbers guy and he's like super, super driven and organized in that aspect. And I think that kind of like comes full circle, even to our songwriting. We we both have strengths and weaknesses and we've gotten to this point where we know what each of us is good at. And I don't even worry about, you know, money or just like kind of like fine detail stuff of, you know like tour managing anthony tour manages us well we will never hire somebody to do that a because we can't afford it and b because it would just be a a frivolous expense because anthony's so good at it and you know and then i'm more of like the you know i'm not a gear head by any means i don't really care about gear more than what we need to make our show work well but that's kind of an area that i'm proficient at so i set up all of our gear i program our light show for tour i work with you know quick tracks and everything just to make the show show work and make it kind of creative and and that's that's my world so it's like you know i i couldn't tell you how to run the the books for our tour and accounting for that stuff and anthony can do that and he couldn't you know plug in our mixer and make make our show work so we kind of just stay in our own lanes and and it works well
5: no that's good you definitely always i mean you, you see that in any band where you have you know you're one to maybe two people who are good at that you know being able to communicate with the label or you know being able to you know organize a tour and that sort of stuff and then you have the people who um you know rightfully are just like i don't care about any of that let me just focus on like you know song writing or like you said merch all those you know the creative aspects of the band um you know it gets it gets messy when people think that they're they're good at one aspect of that but they're not actually and that's when things get kind of messy where you're like dude stop booking horrible shows for us man like, <laughs> that's not what we need to do
3: yeah we say it all the time it's like sometimes there's just too many cooks in the kitchen and you're better off delegating work to the people that are mo- most you know equipped to to handle those tasks and like i said i mean, I, I know what my weaknesses are and i'm i'm not here to try to even improve them i'm i'm just here to do what i'm good at <laughs>
5: sure yeah i'm here here to do my job sir
3: <laughs> yeah i said i just work here man i don't yeah. know
5: <laughs> that's awesome i like i like that you should totally just have a shirt like or uh, a little sign that you hang up on your amp or it's like uh, oh yeah i'm just uh, i'm just here just I'm just here to work. That's all. I can't answer any other questions. I'm, just,
3: I'm actually going to make a t-shirt to wear on stage that says, I just work here, man.
5: <laughs> Dude, I, I easily see, uh, that up on your, uh, your, your merch rack and people. And then just like a really tiny font, just like this wildlife right below it. Perfect. No.
3: no I, I, by the way, I'm not cutting you into this. I think I, you, you helped me to the idea, but I think it's mine.
5: No, that's fine. I'll take, I'll take uh, a point. Pending. I'll take point zero zero one percent of that. That's fine. <laughs>
3: Yeah, you'll see your your 13 cent royalty check at the end of the quarter.
5: Just just rolling right in,
0: baseball fans.
2: A free-spirited take on the iconic Victoria's Secret scent. Dive into a vibrant blend of juicy guava, lush palms, and summer glow peony. Shop now at your closest Victoria's Secret store or online at victoriasecret.com.
1: This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at Um. (laughs) So that, uh, you
5: know, we kind of touched on this earlier, but, you know, uh, because of your... Uh, like you said, the, or like I said, the accessibility of, you know, you guys as, you know, artists from, you know, hanging out at shows, you know, doing a lot of meet and greets, all those other things we were talking about earlier. Um, you know, there does get a uh, heavy nature just because, like you said, you are more comfortable expressing yourself, you know, in a confrontational manner with songs. And, you know, because of that, people find the connectivity with you and want to come up to you and talk about, you know, their, uh, their tough breakups or moments in their life where, you know, your band helped them through a difficult situation situation um and obviously that's a very uh precious moment and it's exciting to share those things but uh did you have to get used to kind of the uh the way that people approached you in regards to that because i know um that it's it, it can kind of be become overwhelming uh, immediately when it's like oh whoa like this song that i wrote <laughs> just in my bedroom And now it's having this emotional resonance, resonance with a person. And they're coming at me with some pretty heavy emotions. Um, how have you been able to kind of navigate that?
3: I think it's tough. And the the best way I can explain it is that for me, it's like, you know, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm just barely getting by doing what I do and my way of dealing with, you know, some of my frustrations or, or my, my own struggles are through songwriting. And, you know, it's like, I've, like it's so corny to say like that's like oh that's my release or something like that but I think there's some merit to it and um, I I always just tell people it's like I am not qualified to like I I, I will absolutely listen and like I, I do care but I know that I'm not qualified to tell you how to deal with it because I don't even think I'm qualified to make my own fucking decisions you know it's like I'm still figuring things out and I am in you know, by no means an expert. So a lot of times if, you know, if somebody messages me online saying they're struggling with something, I'll, I'll, you know, I'll hear them out and just be like, you know, I'm so sorry to hear that. I'm glad that our music is some kind of support system for you. That's what music is for me, whether I'm writing it or listening to it. That's it's, that's my support system. But, you know, I I try to like link them to things like, you know, heart support, which is like uh, Jake from August Burns Red's kind of endeavor with, you know it's like a it's like an emotional support group basically and i just think that there are a lot better places to go than talking to me because i'm just like i said i'm just not qualified
5: right totally you're like i i, I can barely kind of walk through these things on my own let alone be uh, able to offer you any sort of sage-like advice but i mean that's obviously it's responsible of you so good job <laughs>
3: <laughs> I don't want to give somebody bad advice. I I I learn the hard way always. That's like the only way that I learn any lessons. So I'm shit, I'm not going to make somebody else go through that. <laughs>
5: <laughs> and, um, you know, kind of kind of along those same lines and something. Honestly, I don't really regularly talk about on the show, but something I find interesting where, um, you know, because you've made the transition from, you know, being a drummer and like we were joking about earlier, no one paying attention to you. And then people paying attention to you, um, you know, because you're you're the singer and you're, you know, doing your front and center. Um, you know, how did you navigate the, um, the attention that you got from, uh, what I'm presuming, uh, are, I presume your sexual orientation is straight.
6: I
3: am.
5: So once girls started to pay attention to you, which I'm sure was kind of a, a novel idea just because, you know, any time that starts to happen, it's like, wait, why, why is this, why, why is this girl who really, I, I probably would never have a, a quote unquote chance with like caring about what I'm doing. How did you navigate that sort of attention? Um, once it started to happen to you
3: honestly i don't think i'm just not like a lady killer whatsoever so it's it's not a huge <laughs> it's not a huge issue i never was never will be i've kind of always had girlfriends i consider myself a bit of like a serial monogamist um so I, honestly like i felt like when i was younger i was just like i've always been like pretty goofy looking like you know I, i'm not like traditionally attractive and i i just think i never really had girls like Give me the time of day when I was younger, and I always had like a long term girlfriend. I, I dated the same girl from when I was 12 to 21. So I, I entirely missed out on that whole stage of like dating and learning how to talk to girls. Right. Um, because I was just, I was already in a relationship. Like I was with, you know, I thought I was going to be the exception to the rule of, you know, nobody marries their high school sweetheart or whatever. I, you know, I met her in when I was in seventh grade, but, uh, so I just never paid much attention to it. I just dressed like a dork and just never shaved, never had a haircut or anything. I just, I was just always a goon, I guess. And (laughs) I, I, so, so I think as I got a little older and started like paying attention to like my, my appearance and trying to like at least fit some mold of not looking like a complete slob on stage, that when I started getting a little bit of attention from girls, I kind of like resented it. Cause I'm like, shit, I've been here the whole time. Like, where were you when I was taking the bus? <laughs> I like that.
5: You take, so, it, <laughs> take it personally. You're like, come on, just, just because I like, comb my hair today. Like now you're paying attention to me. Really?
3: <laughs> yeah. Just cause I got a fade you know, for <laughs> the first time in my life. But doesn't mean you guys should be giving me attention now, but right. Yeah. It's I, honestly, I've never like cared to like date a girl who's like a fan of the band or anything like that. And, I don't know. We don't. We don't use our platform to try to meet a bunch of girls or anything like that. It's just that's not what we're about. And I think, I think because Anthony and I have both played in unsuccessful bands in the past, and it took so long to get this wildlife off the ground that, and we take it incredibly seriously. Like as big of idiots as we could both be, we're also very very professional with our band, um, and we, we just don't fuck around, man. We don't we don't want to ruin our own opportunity because i, I true i truly think that this is my last shot at being successful with music and because of how strenuous it is to like start a band and find out what works and what doesn't i, I just know f- for a fact like if this wildlife breaks up i'm never going to start another band like i just don't think i have it in me to like it's it's like heartbreaking when a band breaks up and things go wrong and and it feels like it's not going to work and I don't want to I don't want to go through it again. I just want to make this work cuz I love what we've created so far and I never want to fuck that up by trying to, you know, hook up with a bunch of girls or, or you know, get one over on anybody in any regards. Like we really on tour, we like try not to step on any toes. We're always just super respectful of everybody's crew and we just try to hustle, man. It's like I, you know, last night we're, we're playing in Fort Lauderdale and after the show, it's like, you know, everybody's going out to bars and stuff. And it's like, I'm just out there cranking out CDs, trying to hustle and get some money in our gas tank. You know, it's like, we, we've been out on tour for six weeks and we've gotten two hotels the whole time. We're just sleeping in the van every night just to save money and, and, you know, create more longevity for ourselves and have more money that we can reinvest back into the band and me going out and drinking and talking to a bunch of girls and stuff. is like, that's just gonna cloud my vision and it's it's not gonna lead to anything good
5: right that's, yeah I, I like that i mean it's distracting it's it's one of those things that uh it, it, the idea of it may be nice but like you said the the notion of it like in practice it's just like well that's not even something like that I, that's really that meaningful you know like i mean the idea of you know meeting a girl to show and then you know making out with her and then being like oh like what well, what was that and like well that was that was it <laughs> that's like literally all that it is and like like you said ultimately taking your eye off the fact that it's like well yeah i you know probably could have been doing something um you know productive like for yeah for the band at that particular moment or whatever
3: i just know for me it's like you know my my family as a whole kind of struggles with addiction and i've never done a single drug because i know that i can't handle it and i'm I I know that the reason that people do drugs is because they're probably fucking awesome. And everybody has, you know, like they obviously can ruin your fucking life. I know that much, um, like, you know, all too well. But the reason people do them is because they have a lot of fun doing them. And I know that I'm not equipped to handle that. So I stay away from them entirely. And, you know, you know, for for me, I I do drink, but I've found that drinking and touring is just like such a, Bad combination for me. I I never feel lonelier or more lost than I'm when when I'm just like drunk sitting there looking at my cell phone on tour, just like kind of with nowhere to go. Or it's just like I guess I'm just gonna fucking go sit in the van because it's hot here, or there's nowhere to sit there. And (laughs) right, that's like I just I get in my own head in that situation, and I I, the the, for like the last year or so I've just tried to stay away from it. You know, maybe I'll crack a beer after a set. You know, every other few days but that's just to wind down and I, I try to keep it at that because for me it's a total trigger of spiraling out of control and I, and I have a hard time stopping once I start and you know it's like the last thing I want to do is make a fool out of myself or get so sick that I can't perform the next day or I, I just don't want to jeopardize anything that we're doing here because it's fucking special to me and I know I'm, I'm lucky that we're here
5: yeah, no, I really like that, uh, that perspective on it because all the other things that you experience, the, the lifestyle that, uh, bands lead, the rest of it's just noise when you're coming down, when you're cutting down to the idea that like, hey, I'm, I'm here to, you know, perform, entertain, create, you know create connections with people and between people and then everything else that you experience from you know loading in waiting selling merch all the other stuff is just kind of you know noise when you focus to the thing that actually matters the most yeah the um the last thing i want to hit on was the um you know, since, since the band is, you know, growing incrementally, where it's like people are paying attention to you, you're able to do, you know, larger tours. And like you said, I mean, you're on tour with Dashboard Confessional right now, which, you know, whatever, two years ago, you probably would have been like, ah, it doesn't make any sense. There's no way we could Dude, do that.
3: Two months ago, I wouldn't have thought <laughs> this was possible.
5: <laughs> totally, totally. Yeah, sorry, maybe two weeks ago, but then you were already I on know. This tour. But you know as these things get bigger but you know you are attempting to have the same sort of connectivity that you guys have always had at your shows um is there a struggle with the idea of being like okay you know when we're going to go out on our headliner we're going to be playing you know bigger venues than we had the run before um or are you guys trying to find that sort of like you know middle ground where it's like okay the venues are still reasonably sized and we still feel that same sort of uh, intimacy um and we're not blowing it out to where you know the, the, it's just warm bodies in a room.
3: Yeah. I think it's interesting. Like with, with our show, the, the intimacy definitely creates a, a better atmosphere for our shows. You know, we've done bigger, we, you know, we've played in like kind of like small arenas at times with opening up for other bands. Uh, we've done, you know, bigger theaters with bands like house of blues size stuff and, and up. We've done the amphitheaters on warp tour where you're outdoors. We've done the, you know, main stage on warp tour, you know, a handful of times, And to us, I still think that the club level is where like our music really shines and where we can keep things where we can kind of control the environment, make sure it's dark when we want it, make sure it's quiet when we want it. Um and on our headline shows, having that control over the environment and over the way that the show is gonna be performed, that's that's the best case scenario for us. And I I think we definitely have learned how to play in some of these bigger rooms and we've we're, we're we are are like very, very attentive to crowd response when we're doing, especially like support tours. Like I have no problem saying like the beginning of this tour, um, you know, we played three nights at Irving Plaza in New York, all sold out. And there were some of the worst shows we've ever played. And it's not because we played like shit, but it's because we didn't have the right set list together to captivate a new audience that's a little older and maybe, you know, they're just there for nostalgic reasons to see dashboard or, you know, they're, they're drinking and they don't really care about the opening bands. They're just walking in and who gives a fuck. But it, you know, it took us like six, not until the sixth show of this tour, did we find the right set list that would grab their attention. And, and it's, it's pretty crazy. You just, you can totally, um, see like the results of it and your merch sales and how many people come up and talk to you after the show. And, you know, it's like I said, I, you know, we're out, I'm out selling CDs after the show every night. We're doing this thing where for the first time we're doing name your own price on these CDs. And it's like, it's kind of tough because we pay the label $5 a piece for them. And sometimes somebody just hands you a buck and you're like, fuck I just lost the band $4 but at least you know they took the CD you know it's like and luckily as some some people are generous you know and they'll give you the five or they'll give you the 10 bucks and sometimes they'll give you 20 bucks and be like hey I know what it's like and you know it's like but we realized that well halfway through the tour we were like we're not selling enough CDs we're not getting the music out there enough we don't have a backdrop up that says our name so you know people are leaving like hey what were you guys called again and it's like fuck what, what was the point of playing in front of all these people this huge opportunity if they're going to walk away from the show and not even know who the hell we are. And so we're just like, all right, let's try to sell the CDs for five bucks. Let's just make them flat. We won't make a dime, but hopefully we'll spread the word better. And then we tried that and it was like pretty good. And we're like, shit, let's just blow them out. I'm going to go yell at people as they're leaving the venue to buy CDs and, you know, quadruple the sales that we had that, you know, the night before. And it's like, we're constantly learning how to, how to perform. And, And aside from that, how to, have like the most productive time on tour and it's like every time you discover something new and you're like holy shit this works but that didn't you're like fuck I wish we would have known that 10 shows ago because imagine how much more we could have grown in that city or this city so it's I mean we're constantly trying new things and we're very very attentive to results
5: yeah no that's that's, that's awesome I mean I, I just I like that the the idea of not resting on your laurels and because i i think the idea is that you know as you grow in size with a band you you have every opportunity to be lazier in many respects you know because you either have people working for you that do that um or you know whatever like there's there's a lot of different outs that you can have and i think the the bands that um you know like i'll I'll use a random band for an example because you know just because i'm close to so many of the members of the band circus survive it's like the you know they like yeah they have techs but like you know they set up their own equipment like they're still like there's just so many things that they do where they're just like yeah i don't want to remove that aspect of playing in a band because like then it'll feel weird and it's like yeah you're right (laughs) like it'd feel weird if all of a sudden like you just like are in your green room for you know six hours and then you walk out and someone hands you a guitar and then like you do this thing and then you go away and it's like that's not the world that you know you and i have come from
3: yeah you, i don't expect to just walk on stage and like know everything's gonna work it's like i i plug everything in you know it's like right. I, that's like my job I, i'm just a huge control freak like i can't like if there's like snow on the roads or night drives and stuff like that i literally just can't sleep if somebody else is driving because uh, i'm just like I don't know. I just get really anxious and get terrified that I'm going to be launched out the windshield of our van. So it's like, I, I still do the majority of the driving because I'm just not because I want to, because I have to just for my sanity, you know? Right. And that, and that's how I feel about, you know, the same way about walking on the stage. We've, you know, we have a, a tech kind of, he's our merch guy and he tunes guitars in between songs, but I'm still the one who goes and patches everybody's, you know, monitoring every night and sends all the sends all the lines to front of house. You know, it's like, and we have like this totally isolated setup that like if something's wrong, it's because I did something wrong and I have, and I have to know how it works and know what I could have done wrong. Cause I just, we can't depend on other people. We'd never have been able to. And everything that we do, we try to make it so that we, we are in control of it so that if something goes wrong, you have nobody to blame but yourself
5: yeah sure right exactly you'd be like well can't lean on anybody for this like I messed this up and uh, hopefully I know how to fix it for the future
3: <laughs> yeah
5: well dude Kevin I honestly really appreciate you uh, you know connecting getting on the show and uh, yeah this is a really awesome chat for me and I uh, I hope it was all that you anticipated and more
3: <laughs> yeah it's awesome I, like I know I told you earlier but I haven't said it on this one that uh, I love the podcast and podcasts for me in like the last year of touring have been so awesome for, for drives, especially night drives and stuff, just to keep me attentive. And I, I, am so engaged with everything that's going on. And especially with like your show, there's been so many guests that have come on that because I listen to it, it like makes me think, fuck, I got to check out that record. And maybe it's a band that I've heard about a million times and I just haven't gotten to checking them out. And then, you know, it's like, God, that was such a great conversation. That person is so cool. I want to, I want to dig into that, and it's that's been really helpful for me too. Musically, just not being jaded, like hearing people's stories and and getting to kind of know some of their personality, so that I can go into a record with some kind of mindset of who these people are. It's it's been a really cool kind of experience for me. So I, I'm I'm stoked to do this kind of stuff because I think that it could totally translate to other people. You know, maybe that have seen a picture of us and been like, oh, they're they're acoustic I thought they were like a two piece metalcore band or something right. like, like <laughs> totally. so many people that would you know see like oh Epitaph Records are called This Wildlife they're probably some like crunk core band or something you know like yeah so totally. hopefully people would <laughs> give yeah. us a shot
5: no no I, I, I agree wholeheartedly I mean that's that's the whole you know one of the main tenets of the show is just the fact that it's like once you hear a person's story and you hear where they're coming from no matter if you really really identify with their music or not you realize the common threads that all of us have that are attached to this you know weird (laughs) music scene um no matter how big it gets it still is rooted in the idea of just like all right like i'm just gonna figure this out myself and we all have those same sort of origin stories even though maybe they may be generationally different it doesn't matter they're still you know important but i i I can guarantee you that for the fact that people will listen to this and they will be like hey i I, i'll listen to that band. it's not so bad i kind of like that kevin
3: guy he's a nice guy (laughs) (laughs) nice guy bad music yeah great bowler nice guy
5: (laughs) totally hey that's all you need man as well as those people are like hey kevin worst person ever uh and his band's terrible too
3: (laughs) yeah that's what i'm trying to fight against
5: well
4: there was my discussion with kevin great guy right yep i just really enjoyed discussing all things music with him and uh do me a big favor so go to castsurvey.net. so c-a-s-t S U R V E net and take like a, a five question survey. It will help out the show a tremendous amount in regards to some of the sponsors that we've had recently. So uh, please do that because uh, it would just, I, I would really, really enjoy that five questions. will take like 30 seconds. So um, yeah, that's uh, that's that. And uh, thank you very much to Kevin for wanting to come on the show. Please listen to Lowercase Noises. They provide all the music for the show. Um, Just Google him and you will be able to find out all of the great music that he has. He has a new record coming out at some point in the near future. I have heard it. It is absolutely spectacular. So... Uh, what else should I tell you? Oh, I should tell you the guest for next week, right? Tom May from the Menzingers. I had a great conversation with him. Their new record is unbelievable. It could be one of my favorites of the year. And uh, I just had to have one of the dudes on here. And it was, oh man, such a good convo. Because he was, uh yeah, just down to hang. I love people. Like, I can tell within 30 seconds of a conversation that this is going to be a good podcast. Um, and Tom exactly delivered on that. So there you go. That's all the uh, business for today. So uh, please go and enjoy the rest of your time with whatever you're doing, whether you're running on a treadmill or riding a bike or cleaning your house, whatever it is. And, uh, I I hope you enjoy it and please be safe everybody.
5: You've been listening to the Jabberjaw podcast network, jabberjawmedia.com. Shh.